This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Sheila. And we're taking you through private eyes. Before we start this episode, I want to make two corrections from the last episode. I'll go back in and edit it, but I want to make sure that everyone knows it has been corrected. I made two mistakes, and I always want to make sure people understand when you make mistakes, it's not the mistakes, it's how you handle it when you realize you've made a mistake. My philosophy is fix it. So I'm fixing it here. When Catherine and I were talking about blood spatter, I did not refer to it as blood transfer. It is actually blood transfer. And that's how we can tell the pattern based on the blood transfer. The second thing, when I said manner of death, it's actually cause of death. The cause of death refers to how the person died such as gunshot wound. I referred to it as manner of death. Manner of death includes suicide, homicide, accidental, or natural. My mistake, Catherine and I worked 12 hours and had the last little bit to upload, edit, and get out in a day. Again, it's not the mistake. It's how you handle the mistake. So those are the corrections. It is important to note that the reason that this podcast does a deep dive into cases is in order to open up discussion for public interest. So next time when someone investigates and they don't find a bullet, things will change for the victim. This season, we are featuring the case of Danny Smith and getting a deeper look into the investigation That was done by the Cass County Sheriff's Department. This week, we are diving further into an interview conducted by Chief Deputy Roy Barker, interviewing witness C.J. Crompton. Based on tips we have received since the podcast has begun, we wanted to examine the statements made to law enforcement. While you have heard this interview on an earlier episode, the purpose of the podcast is to take the audience through an investigation as it happens in real time. We go back and examine those statements even more with the new information we have received. Okay, my name's Roy Barker. I'm Chief Deputy Cass County Sheriff's Office. It's uh, 10.01, July 21st, uh, 2014. And your name is Charles Joseph Compton. Crompton. Crompton. C-R-O-M-P-T-O-N. They call you CJ. You live at... U Springs. Uh, telephone number is correct. Okay. Uh, you're going to give me a statement today. Now, this is what we call a non custodial interview. Anytime that you want to get up and walk out, all you are is a witness. Okay. And I just basically want you to tell me your story um, about what happened basically uh, about this ride that took place. 
right, go ahead and tell me what happened. You yeah. want to start from the very uh-huh. beginning, from going to the very right. school? Right, right. All right. We uh, all decided we was going to go riding. I loaded up and went off from Barry. That was Saturday afternoon. Right. About what time? Uh, I guess that would be 3, 30, 4 o'clock, somewhere around right. there. And then uh, went to the Barry store. Uh, Jeff Welburn sent me a message on Facebook, asked me when the next time we was going to go riding or bundle or whatever. And I said, well, we're, matter of fact, going this evening. And he said, well, I'm on my way. So I come back into Hugh Springs uh, to buy ice at Miracle Morning. I see Jeff over there getting gas and everybody. So I'm talking to him on the phone, actually, and I hang up on him. Went over, talked for a minute, and he said, well, I'm headed out there now. I said, well, I'm headed there too. Okay. At this point, did you see Daniel Smith? Daniel yes. Smith. I did not see her at the time. Do they call her Daniel? Is that what they call her? I think they call her Danny. Danny. Okay. So at this point, you didn't see Danny in the truck? No, I did not okay. see her in the truck. All right, go ahead. So I get back in my truck, ride out there to Jamie's, and, uh, there so we're work. talking about Jamie Cooks. Right. Okay. Uh, Dalton's in there working on his can. I am putting a clutch on it. And that's, yes, that's Dalton. Yeah. Okay. We're all getting ready to go ride. He gets his fix. They put some air and tires on the other side by side that Jamie got. We all load up. Okay. So we're talking about you loaded up with Jamie, Eddie, and Me you're in the front. Right. Like Jamie was driving, I was passing the seat, and I was in the back. And there was another couple there named William and Monson, and then Dalton Cook was riding. Right. Then a Dustin truck, and he had a girlfriend. You don't know her. She's from South Texas. Right. Okay. And then uh, Jeff and Danny. Right. We're in there. Okay, all right. Go ahead and tell me. All right. So we take off. We head back in towards Hugh Springs. Cut down to the power line. Okay, what time? About what time is this? You think? I will say this has got to be around six thirty. And y'all are just riding along. Everybody's kind of got their own beer and stuff, and they're right. just drinking along. Okay. Yeah. You know, everybody's trying to figure out who's going to lead the way and everything. Okay. So we ride. We ride out there. We end up in Cornet. Jamie told me call Murphy to find out where he's at. The phone screwed up. I called James and Vanessa, and uh, they said, we're on our way. So we sat there at the bridge. Now, you're talking about the, the concrete bridge at Cornell. Right. And now all of y'all are sitting there at the same time? Yeah. And y'all are waiting on who? James and Vanessa. Okay. And at that time, uh, y'all are drinking? Yes. And y'all are drinking jello shots? Uh, Who are you doing that? Jeff. Jeff and uh, Danielle or Danielle or whatever, they were they they're the ones that had the jello shots. They were drinking the jello shots. And they you know, they were handing them I was drinking some of them or eating them or however you call it jello shot. And they're made out of jello and whiskey and they're just Jello and some kind of liquor, I think, maybe Malibu rum or something. Okay. What is it is it like jello? Just like jello. And you just eat them or drink them or whatever you Yeah, eat. they come, you know, those little uh, cups you get at the store about that big around uh-huh. plastic. Okay. You just scoop them out of there and eat them. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So at that time is 
Danny on the way to get intoxicated? Yeah, I believe so. You believe we all were. Okay. All right, so now you are at the bridge and you're waiting for James and Vanessa. Chris and his wife, uh, what's her name? Natalie. Natalie. Right. Okay. Um, then y'all uh, go to Billy's house? Yeah, they show up and uh, we head over to Billy's house. He's usually over there throwing horseshoes and all that, so we ride over there. Okay. And we was there, I think we was there maybe an hour or two. That's when we started heading back to uh, Jamie's house. Okay, and that was probably about what time, you think? I would have to say that one had to have been probably 10.30. 10.30. Okay, yeah. so y'all head back. And then, uh, do y'all come back the same route as Danny and Jeff? No, they uh, ended up coming back here from the opposite way we come. We come back roads and they come, we come, uh, you know, we're Crossroads Church, right. we come back that way. Okay, was it just Jeff and Danny, was it anybody else? I think it was just them two, okay. that way. So, so they came back that way, and uh, when y'all were together, was just everybody talking to everybody? Yeah, I mean, everybody was... You know, we got we split off little groups. You talk to this one, then you go over there. But I mean, everybody's in, you know, around. And was Jeff talking to anybody in particular? Well, when we was at Billy's house, uh, he talked to Natalie and he talked to some other girl. And they were just general conversation because, you know, they've been yeah. friends all their lives. They yeah, Natalie and you know the other girl? No, nah, I can't remember. I, it might have been Monty he was talking to. Pretty sure it was Monica. Monica, Natalie, he was talking about. Yeah. Do you know where uh, Danny was at that time? Was she by herself? Uh, she might have been over there by herself. Okay. I mean, I'm not real sure. I just, okay. I meander around. And okay. When you got back, when y'all got back, now you were with Jamie Cook. Right. And when y'all got back, did y'all sit around and talk, or did Jamie go in and take I think we sat there for a minute and talked, and then I, he always burns out on us. So he probably to bed. Yeah. Okay. What about what happened to William and Monica? We sat out there and talked for a little bit. Uh, what about Dalton? Dalton, I think he, him, and I think he stayed there for just a few minutes or a little longer talking, and uh, him and Dustin and his girlfriend uh, went back up to his house. He lives okay. two houses down. So they left. And then Jamie left. And so then that left you, William and Monica talking, and Jeff and Dan pulled up. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I was pretty drunk at the time, so I'm cloudy on that. Okay. Um, but you remember them pulling up? Vaguely. Okay. Um, you don't remember much, you don't remember them loading. No, I really don't. Anything. Now, the next thing that you know is Jeff calls you at about what time? Uh, what was it, 1240 or 1220 or something like that? 12, 12, 1240, you think? Yeah. Okay, so he calls you and he says, 
says, and I think I'm going to quote here, says, old fuck, she shot herself, she killed herself, and then you told me she was more or less in a freak-out mode. Is that, he was in a freak-out mode. Well, yeah, I mean, he stopped, when he first started talking, it was calmness, you know, hey, dude, uh, you know, got my stuff on here, I ain't got it strapped down real good. And then, oh, fuck, she shot herself, she killed herself, dude. It's almost like he didn't know. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. At first, he started off the conversation. He had his his cam strapped down. Everything well, he did. He was he didn't strap it down good, and then he come off with that old oh, fuck. She shot herself. She killed herself. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said she killed herself. She shot herself. I'm like. I'm like, why? What happened? He said, I got to call 911. Okay. Hung up the phone. Okay. Then you had pulled out in front of him, right? Right. You were, like, you were easing home. Yeah. And then you kind of pulled over and he flew by. Right. Going fast. He was getting it. He was getting it. And that trailer was just going back and forth. <laughs> you, you figured. Yeah, that trailer was flopping and whipping and everything. Okay. So you kind of got in behind him, and up the road was his Can Am on the side of the road. Yeah, he he he, he run off and left me, and uh, got up there almost Hugh Springs, and his Can Am laying there on its side. So I stopped right there. Okay. Now, did you try to contact him again? Uh, yeah, I believe I probably tried to call him again, uh, and I don't. I can't remember, I believe it was before that while I was still trying to follow him. And I, call, I, and I talked to him again after I talked to him that initial time. And I asked him, I said, what happened? He said, man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I was like, well, uh, I tried to talk to him for a minute. He said, I gotta call my dad. And got off the phone again. And then I, I did try to call him another time or two or three, you know, to see what was going on, but never talked to him again. And now, after that night, have y'all talked again since then? Yes. And what did he relate to you when he talked to you, maybe the next day? or Talked to him the next day. Uh, you had contacted me. Uh, and he... Uh, you were wanting to get a hold of his dad, so the family could go get a truck. Right. And uh, so I gave a shot in the dark, called him. He called me back, and we talked, and he said, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're supposed to come get the truck. And uh, then he, uh, I think he called me back or texted me back. I can't remember and told me that the truck was gone. Okay. They come down. Has he been upset? Yeah. He's, he don't, he don't know how to, 
you know, hey, try to figure something out, you know, try to figure, you know, he's trying to figure out why she would do it the way it sounds to me. And he did tell you at one time that uh, she had made the statement that when she'd go out with the girls and stuff, the girls would talk to the guys and... Yeah, all the girls, he's, you know, he was telling me that, you know, she, uh, I guess they have kind of open-ended relationship. She sees guys or goes out and he, he sees other girls or whatever. I don't know if she sees guys, but her and her bunch of her friends got together and went to a club somewhere or something. And uh, she she was telling him, you know, they were talking that uh, guys always want to talk to their friends and don't never really pay no attention to her. And she made your self-esteem. Uh, and that's what I, that's just what I read into personally. Okay. So I mean, that may so, not be the case. But. So that night, when when he was over there talking to the women and stuff, you think she was over there by herself? Yeah, and uh, uh, he told me the next day, he said she, she got pissed off about it. Because you know. he was over there talking to those other girls? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, this is just, uh, have you ever seen them? together before? No, that's the first time I've ever seen them together. Okay. Do you know her very well? Uh, the only way I've known her, I've seen her at the park store in Huge Springs. Okay. Do you know him very well? Know him pretty good. Pretty good. Is he a violent person? I've never known him to be a violent person. Okay. Is he pretty easy going? Really easy going. Laid back, just, you know, never, I've never seen him confrontational. Now, he is a veteran of Iraq and whatever, but I've never seen, I've never seen no aggression come out of them. Okay. Okay. Well, is there anything else that I've not said or not asked you about that you think you need to tell me? Is there anything that you know that I, you think I need to know? No. Okay. I mean, well, if I can think of anything else, I will sure come back and... Okay. Well, I sure appreciate you and thanks so much for your time. Thank you, sir. Uh, that's it. Uh, I think let's see it's uh looks like ten sixteen. I appreciate you very much. Well, if there's anything I can do to help or <clears throat> I mean I feel I feel bad for the family. The reason we are calling this week's episode Who's Telling the Story is because throughout CJ's interview with Chief Roy Barker, Barker is reading off of a piece of paper. He doesn't ask CJ questions, but seemingly reads off bullet points and is telling someone else's narrative back to CJ. The questions are few, but the answers given to CJ to verify are plenty. Wait, can I start off by saying that? Let me just give Roy Barker some credit because it starts off really good when he says, tell me your story. But then he proceeds to feed CJ the information that he's hoping to obtain in what we think is an interview. And it just kind of sounds like there's no new information that's acquired throughout this entire interview. And I put that in quotes. I use the word loosely. We have to assume that obviously Roy Barker has obtained information through another source aside from CJ. Because we don't have anything in CJ's own words. He didn't even write a statement out to Rachel. Roy Barker walks into this interview and he's saying things like, 
he's telling CJ or ask, it seems like he's asking, but he's telling CJ who was there. He already knows the information through another source. And then he's telling CJ and CJ is just there to verify it. Basically confirm the information. He tells him that and feeds him information the, throughout the entire interview. Uh, so we take off, we head back in towards Chief Springs, cut down to the power line. Okay. CJ is very clear on the timing and details of most of the ATV ride. He repeats the route that they took, who he was riding with, the roads they took back to Jamie's, and who he conversed with after the ride. But then he seems cloudy on that and vague. And those are his own words when Barker asks him if he saw Jeff and Danny return. Very detailed. But then he neglects to remember other things later. And just as an overview, does anyone feel like they understood what happened that night based on what CJ says in this interview? No. There's so many holes. There's so many detail. There's no detail at all whatsoever. Again, it's like Roy Barker is just asking a question for verification purposes. CJ gets to say yes or no, and then it moves on to the next topic. Time is issued. I'm going to say this has got to be around 6.30. And y'all are just riding along. Everybody's kind of got their own beer. Roy Barker talks about them riding along. They've got their beer. Let him tell what they were doing, riding along. They have their beer. It needs to come out of the witness. And the reason we're hammering this so hard is because the idea of a witness is to gather as much information as you can. That's why they call it an interview, not a verify the bullet points that I have on this piece of paper. Okay. And at that time, uh, y'all were drinking. Yes. And y'all are drinking jello shots? Uh are doing that? Jeff Jeff and uh Daniel or Danny or whatever, they were they they're the ones that had the jello shots. They were drinking the jello shots. And they you know, they were handing them. I was drinking some of them or eating them or however you call it jello shot. And they're made out of jello and whiskey and they're just jello and some kind of liquor, I think, maybe Malibu rum or something. Okay. What is it is it like jello? Just like the other. And you just eat them or drink them or whatever you Yeah, they come, you know, those little uh, cups you get at the store about that big around uh-huh. plastic. Okay. You just scoop them out of there and eat them. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's talk about the jello shots. I have a visual of the jello shots because they describe the jello shots so well. Roy Barker asked more questions about the jello shots than any other thing in this entire interview. Any other thing in this entire case, in any of the interviews from Sartain to Valerie to Kaysen to Barker, there's no investigative info or questions on, well, where's the blood or where's the GSR results? But damn, we sure know how to make a jello shot. I think he couldn't wait to turn off the recorder so we could ask for the recipe. I think he got the recipe. <laughs> Malibu. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's more about being Martha Stewart here. Again, they're not asking where a bullet hole is. They're not asking where 
blood spatter is. They're asking how to make a jello shot. Think about that. We know more about jello shots in this case than we do about the bullet. And they, you know, they were having, I was drinking some of them or eating them or however you call it, jello shot. They're made out of jello and whiskey and just jello and some kind of liquor, I think, maybe Malibu rum. Malibu rum. What is it? Is it like jello? And just like jello. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Danny on the way to getting Dr. Okay. The Danny getting on the way to being intoxicated. Why did that question come in that form? I mean, even CJ said, well, we all were. Well, and what's interesting to me about that is that you can tell that Roy's already formed an opinion. He's already created the narrative and he's, Again, just verifying the information. Why would you assume that she was on her way to getting wasted? Because you don't even know that yet. You haven't spoken to everyone yet. You've heard that through someone else's documentation, maybe through Jeff, from the only person that was alive at the scene. But you don't know. And it sounds like you've already created the opinion about it. The opinion about it, Kaysen was so concerned about asking Jeff, how many drinks did Danny have? How often does she drink? Now we have Barker asking CJ about drinking. It's like you have a license then to shoot yourself if you're drunk, yet they don't care about people on the road driving if they're drunk. They want to establish Danny was drinking so much, but what about CJ? What about Jeff? What about everybody else that was there? Well, and that brings me to the next problem that I have where CJ says that he doesn't remember Jeff and Danny showing up because he was really, really drunk. But then what, a few minutes later, Jeff is calling him to follow him into town and he is somehow coherent enough to get in the car and drive and follow the truck. He gave detailed information about their relationship that night. I don't know if there's amnesia between that night and this interview. So Roy Barker touches on Jeff talking to other women. And we've covered that in the last episode. We're not going to say anymore. We show over and over the text messages where Danny's not the jealous one. Well, and we have witnesses that were on the ride that night that have come forward and have said that Danny was not in a state that night that she was friendly. She was outgoing. She was normally who she was. Where did that narrative come from? Remember, there are a couple of things. Do we know if the blood tox came back from the hospital where he can say Danny was intoxicated? Whether she was or wasn't, did he have that information? And number two, Where are the documents of him talking to the people at 
the scene. At the time of CJ's interview, Roy had not reached out to the people that were on the ride. Danny was at that time. Was she by herself? When Roy Barker asked, was Danny by herself? Catherine, don't you look for leading questions like that with your interviews on your cases? Every single question that he asks is leading, except when he starts in the very beginning by saying, tell me your story. We have a narrative. She's upset. But who gave him that narrative? And Jeff and Dan pulled up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I was pretty drunk at the time, so I'm cloudy on that. Okay. Um, Roy Barker asks CJ, do you remember Jeff and Danny pulling up? He says vaguely, two seconds ago, he gave detailed information about the route that they took. And now it's vague. You can't remember them pulling up. Or he says, I'm cloudy on that. Yeah. And then again, a few minutes later, he gets in the truck. Okay. Uh, You don't remember much. You don't remember them loading And Roy Barker is saying, you don't remember, you don't remember. Again, seed planted. Oh, no, I don't remember. That's what I'd say if I were the witness, because he's telling me I don't remember. No, I really don't. Anything. Now, the next thing that you know is Jeff calls you at about what time? Uh, What was it, 12.40? You can't remember them pulling up, loading the truck, but you can remember the time that Jeff called you. And my favorite thing is that Roy Barker is telling CJ the next thing he remembers. That's mind-blowing. 1240 or something like that. 1240, you think? Yeah. Okay, so he calls you and he says, says, and I think I'm going to quote here, oh, fuck, she shot herself, she killed herself, and then you told me she was more or less in a freak-out mode. He was in a freak-out mode. Well, I mean, he stopped. When he first started talking, it was calmness, you know, hey, dude, uh, you know, Got my stuff on here. I ain't got it strapped down real good. And then, oh, fuck, she shot herself. She killed herself. When he first started talking, I would have said, what were his exact words? What did he tell you? What was he talking about? It's almost like he didn't know. Right. You were easing home. Yeah. And then you kind of pulled up. Was he easing home or was he following Jeff? Well, we won't know because he didn't ask. But in an earlier interview with CJ, with the other police officer, he was saying he was following Jeff. He wasn't easing home. No, but that's the thing. Roy Barker wouldn't know because he's telling him you were easing home. And CJ isn't getting pressed on anything. There's so much opportunity. I think because Roy Barker is telling CJ and he's not it doesn't even sound like he's interested in the information. It's just like a checks and balances system. There's so much opportunity if you really dig deep and get into the minutia of what happened that night. There's going to be, you're going to start to flush out some of the inconsistencies. And CJ's not getting pressed on any detail. Therefore, 
No new information is being obtained and none of the inconsistencies are getting exploited. And here's Roy Barker sitting across from CJ interviewing him when he could have just asked, well, let's open up your phone and let's see. Was it a text? Was it a call? What did the text say? How long was the call? He doesn't even ask him for his phone. Yeah, at the very least, you want to hammer down the timeline of things. You, there's no way that anyone in at this stage in the investigation has any idea what happened. So it's like, at the very least, you have the opportunity in that moment, like Danielle said, to ask for some of these phone records so that you can at least start putting a timeline together to better understand what happened. There's no interest in this at all whatsoever. No one asks CJ either that we have evidence of. What did you say to Jeff when he said she shot herself, she killed herself? You're just on the phone holding the line and he says it, you know, over and over and over and you have no real response. Going fast. He was so you kind of got in behind him for almost two springs. And when CJ's talking about the ATV, he again regains his memory. So I stopped right there. Okay. Now, did you try to contact him again? Uh, yeah, I believe I probably tried to call him again. Uh, and I don't, I can't remember. I believe it was before that while I was still trying to follow him. And I, call, I, and I talked to him again after I talked to him that initial time. And I asked him, I said, what happened? He said, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, well, uh, I tried to talk to him for a minute. He said, I got to call my dad. Got on the phone again. Then I I did try to call him another time or two or three, you know, to see what was going on, but never talked to him again. And now, after that night, have y'all talked again since then? Yes. And what did he relate to you when he talked to you maybe the next day? or Talked to him the next day. uh, You had contacted me. uh, And... He were wanting to get all of his dad, so the family could go get a truck. Right. And uh, so I gave a shot, and the dog called him. He called me back, and we talked, and he said, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're supposed to come get the truck. And uh, then he, uh, I think he called me back or texted me back. I can't remember. You can't remember if you had a phone call or a text message with... Jeff, after that. Has he been upset? Yeah. He's, he don't, like, kind of figure, you know, he's trying to figure out why she would do it the way it sounds to me. Okay. He did tell you at one time that, you, that uh, she had made the statement that when she go out with the girls and stuff, the girls would talk to the guys and what purpose is this interview? You're right, Catherine. It's just to check a box. Roy Barker sums it up saying that night when Jeff is talking to these women who have daughters Danny's age, Danny's going to go off the rails, pick up a gun, and shoot herself because she's so jealous. 
even though she's texting another guy while she's on the ATV ride with Jeff, she's texting another guy. She had a date coming up and plans. Do you know him very well? Know him pretty good. Pretty good. Is he a violent person? I've never known him to be a violent person. Okay. Is he pretty easy going? Really easy going. Laid back, just, you know, never... I've never seen him confrontational. CJ's not describing Jeff. Roy Barker's giving him two adjectives to agree with. And that's it. Nonviolent and easygoing. What does that even tell you about a person? How, what are you gleaning? What information are you gleaning from someone saying yes or no to that? What What is the purpose of that at all? I've never seen him confrontational. On a future episode, we are going to dive into Danny's phone records, her call log, and her text messages. We are also going to talk about her relationships with past boyfriends, with Jeff, and with anyone else she may have been dating. 